Good afternoon, Rich Nass here with this week's Embedded Insiders with Brandon Lewis. Hello, Brandon. How are you? I'm doing well. The Diamondbacks won the wild card, uh, National League wild card game last night, so we're going to the playoffs. Well, the next round of the playoffs, technically. Okay. So I, my biggest pet peeve with this whole thing is when these games start. It's ridiculous <laughs> that they start these games at like 8.30 Eastern time. The Yankee game the other night, the first inning went like 45 minutes, and the game didn't end until after midnight. Luckily, or not luckily, whatever you want to call it, I happened to be on the road in a different time zone, so I was able to stay up late, and I ended up watching the end of the game. However, uh, I like to go to bed early, and I wasn't happy. That's well, my, actually, my rant for the day. Actually, our game started earlier than they normally do um, in the Pacific time zone. We started at 5 Pacific, and normally our game started at 6.40, so... You know, I had to leave work early. You left early to go watch a baseball game? <laughs> um, what do we want to talk about today? <laughs> okay. <laughs> First of all, this podcast is brought to you by the Trusted Computing Group. They solve your security issues in the Internet of Things, and they are at Trusted Computing Group. Org. Um, okay, so I was on the road this week at our industrial IoT university event that was in Rosemont, and um, a few things came up um, that I think I should share. Um, one is that the, the speaker from Digi was talking about um, low power low power wide area networks and uh, he's an advocate for LTEM and my issue with cellular in general is that it's too expensive and he made the claim that the end nodes should be selling for from a dollar to a dollar fifty in the very near future um, if that's true that puts it in a completely different light for me a do you know if that's true and b does it mean anything to you there's no way that LTE technology, and by node, I'm assuming he means a module, uh, a module that you use to build a sensor node. There's there's no way that 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 a in the very near future or b probably any time uh, that LTE chipsets are going to be going for a buck. I mean, Sigfox announced uh, that they were going to be able to sell a $2 module. Um, and Sigfox and Laura and those other sub-gigahertz narrowband technologies are really, really simple technologies. I mean, you're, you're talking about extremely low data rates, uh, not a whole lot of multiplexing or any of that stuff. Um, and, and they're talking about $2 modules. I don't see any way that an LTE chip is going to go for a buck or a buck fifty. Okay, uh, I agree with you. So I, I guess our next call will be to get the guy from Digi on the phone and find out uh, what he meant exactly. I mean, he's probably thinking that there are going to be some massive economies of scale. But if if those chips are going for a buck or a buck fifty, then we might be seeing twenty, you know, twenty five cent uh, Laura and uh, Sigbox solutions. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so the next topic was the guy from Cisco was talking about fog computing. And I understand what fog computing is, where you, you do a lot of your computing um, at, the, at the edge level, where you're not sending stuff up to the cloud, you're just going into this, uh, into this gateway, you're doing your computing, and you're saving a lot of time and money by not having to go up to the cloud. 
Um, a, what about edge computing with smart sensors? Does that eliminate the need for the fog? Okay, so let me stop there before I make it even more confusing. Um, what about edge computing as opposed to fog computing? Well, my understanding of edge computing, uh, or sorry, of fog computing, is that it's more at a sort of a gateway type level than actually down at the at the sensor. Um, you know, com- computing. Um, at the actual sensor node, um, it's a little—it's the next level up. So you know, rather than going all the way up to the cloud, you just go to the fog, which is you know those series of gateways that are the intermediary between the, the data center and the edge. Okay, but if if you can do edge computing, why do you need fog computing? Well, you still want, you're still going to need to send uh, data back up. You know, certain types of data are still going to need to go to a higher performance platform or back into a database for uh, further analysis or record keeping. Um, you know, the, the processing that's happening at the edge is actually more like data filtering. Um, so on an edge node, when you're doing processing out there, if, at least it's, if it's in terms of data to be transmitted, um, you're, you know, what if, what if a sensor comes up with a reading like, no, this door, has a, this door hasn't opened? Uh, do you need to send that information uh, anywhere? No. What you want to send is when some sort of event occurs, like, oh, the door opened. Um, so now we'll send it back up to this fog layer where there's a gateway and has a little bit more uh, compute horsepower, and then perhaps that would go back up onto the cloud um, for, you know, like I said, further record keeping or analysis. But um, yeah, I, I don't think that when you're talking about edge computing, you're talking about doing massive amounts of processing. Okay, that's fair. All right, now the, let's really throw the wrench into it. What is missed computing? <laughs> I don't know that there's much of a difference between mist and edge computing. And frankly, um, I think we may have touched on this in the past. It's getting to the point where we have a lot of different types of precipitation going on, you know, from the mist to the fog to the cloud. Um, I, I imagine that a, a mist network is just the next level down. I mean, that's what it's being marketed as, the next level down from the, from the fog, which by my definition means it's actually – those sensor nodes and you have these sensor you know edge networks um, with edge some processing capability but I don't really know if, if it's necessary to have all of these distinctions do you think so I think it just makes it more confusing and I think people are using their own terminology to sell their own stuff um, yeah. you know, every company wants to brand their own thing their own way so okay so now we have two guests we need to bring in we need to bring back uh, the guy from Cisco to explain to us what the heck missed computing is actually he isn't the guy who talked about mist so so we need to find the missed people and bring them in and then also talk to Digi. <laughs> okay uh one more thing for you um you may have seen in the news this week that uh imagination was acquired or and or the mips architecture was acquired did you see that yeah, I did, and it's uh, kind of a shame. Um, I wonder if this is 
a death rattle for MIPS um, right now. You know, earlier this year, Apple Apple was a big customer of Imagination and, and used the MIPS architecture. Um, but Apple has been investing in creating their own processor technology. Um, and earlier this year announced that they are going to stop using um, Imagination. And then their stock prices went down. And uh, that really, you know, tipped the first domino in terms of what's going on right now. So the MIPS architecture is being sold to uh, some U.S.-based uh, VC firm. I think it's called Tallwood. Um, so we'll see what they do with it. And then uh, Imagination itself looks like it's being taken over by some Chinese uh, company. I think it was $675 million for uh, for uh, Imagination. And then the MIPS architecture may have gone around somewhere like 65, but don't quote me, which is interesting because they bought the MIPS architecture about five years ago. Uh, they bought MIPS technologies for $60 million. So not a whole lot of uh, growth there. Very interesting. Very interesting. I wonder what that means for designers or you know, people who have integrated the MIPS technology. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm there there's still some really in, you know compelling bastions for for MIPS, uh, you know, video and graphics, it's been really strong there. Um but making its push into uh you know more mainstream sort of technologies doesn't look doesn't look promising right now. And we need bastions, right? Yes, where, we do where need we, we, Where would we be without bastions? I'm in a bastion right now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think we're we're gonna wrap here, and uh, and I think we have our own calls to action to follow up on these uh, other other two topics, and I will do my best to do that. Yep, sound good. I'll I'll give it a stab too. Yep, sounds good. Very good. So this is the Embedded Insiders. That's Brandon Lewis. I'm Rich Nass, and we're sponsored by the Trusted Computer Trusted Computing Group, who provides proven standards for built-in security. Learn how to secure the insecure Internet of Things and embedded systems at www.trustedcomputinggroup.org. Have a great one. You too.